Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Good evening. This is Robert Arnold, Executive Director of Chatterbox Audio Theatre. Tonight, Chatterbox is proud to present its annual Halloween broadcast on 91.1 WKNO Memphis and 90.1 WKNP Jackson for the fifth consecutive year. In honor of that milestone, we take the opportunity to look back as well as looking forward. Our show this evening features highlights from Chatterbox's live broadcasts in each of the previous four years, a ghoulish, gory collection of greatest hits. The evening culminates with the performance of a brand new tale of terror performed live on the air. Before we begin, a word of caution. Tonight's stories are intense, deliberately so. Each Halloween, Chatterbox prides itself on brewing an especially potent batch of nightmare fuel. So, if you consider yourself faint of heart or easily upset, please, for your own sake, consider turning off your radio now. Still with us? Then let's begin. Chatterbox first took over WKNO's airwaves in 2008 with a live performance featuring werewolves, murderers, ghosts, goblins, and other creatures too horrifying to name, such as the one haunting this evening's first tale. In it, a desperate, panicked young man turns to the only source of solace he has left, not realizing that this decision threatens to seal his fate forever. Chatterbox Audio Theatre presents this live performance from 2008, which is entitled The Confessional. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the... I am listening, my child. For, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been many years since my last confession, decades even. In that case, I'm pleased to welcome you back to the sacrament. Father, I, I've done something truly terrible, and I don't know what to do or who to turn to. You can always turn to God, my son. No matter the trespass, it will be forgiven. No, not this one, Father. I'm, I'm afraid it's too late for me. Even God won't forgive me now. My son, a heavy burden weighs you down. Confessing your sin will lighten the load. Yes, I know. It's just... I'm not sure where to start. Take a breath and search within yourself. The words will come. You may take all the time you need, my son. This is a safe place. Okay. Okay. I swear to you, Father, I I didn't plan to do it. I mean, not exactly. I I had thought about it, sure, dozens of times, but until it was happening... I never really believed I had it in me. I woke up to it like I was coming out of a dream, like all of a sudden I looked down and there was this knife in my hand and there she was and... and What what are you telling me, my son? She's dead, Father. Her throat. I cut her throat. Oh, God. There's so much blood. I could never have imagined there would be so much blood. Uh, Who is this person you have harmed? Cheryl, my wife. My wife. And you're sure she's, she's dead? Yes. She was cold. 
By the time I left, she was already turning cold. Oh, my son, my poor lost lamb, this thing you've done, it is a terrible affront to our Lord. I know, Father. Help me. I, I promise I will help you in every way I can, but first we must seek holy absolution. We must be swift and sincere in our pursuit of forgiveness. My son, you did the right thing in coming to me and trusting me with your confession. Will you also trust me enough to tell me your name? Philip? You can call me Philip. Philip. Thank you, Philip. Now, please, if you will just allow me to... Stay right there! Please, just stay on your side of the room, Father. Please don't open the curtain. Look, I trust you, Father, I do, but... I can only talk to you through this screen here. I, I, I can't let anyone see my face. Not even you. All right, Philip, all right, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to drag you into this, but I had to tell someone. I, I didn't know what else to do. Philip, my son... We will deal with this grievous sin together. We, we will pray and humble ourselves and beg God for his mercy. If you are truly repentant in your heart of hearts, then forgiveness will be granted. But, Philip, we must seek worldly absolution as well. I must counsel you to turn yourself over to the police. If what you say is true... Of course it's true. Do you think this is some kind of joke? Do you think I'm playing a trick on you? In that case, you may have only this one opportunity to save your soul. Uh, my soul? <laughs> my soul is already lost, Father. It's much too late for that. No. No, I'm calmer now, Father, and I think I can figure it out. I'll go back to the house, and I'll, I'll clean everything up, and then no one knows where she is anyway. I can say that she's out of town and that she's visiting relatives. They'll at least buy me some time, and then, well, I'll figure it out somehow. I know I will. Oh, Philip, you must listen to me. You will, you will only add the burden of deceit to the crushing weight that already rests upon your soul. God will not look favorably upon you unless you repent immediately in both word and deed. Repent? I'm sorry, Father. I'm weak, I guess. An arrest? A trial? A prison? No, I can't take all Those that. Those hardships are nothing compared to the agony you will suffer if this terrible deed is not absolved from your soul. Please, my son, it is your only hope. I could tell people that we're separating, that she's... No, 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 Philip, listen no to me. Here, and then some quiet night I can drive out to the countryside. No, no, Philip, you cannot do this. Don't you remember what Cheryl always said? Your temper may be bad, but your heart is good. How did you know that? Father, you don't know me. You don't know my wife. How did you know you, she used to say that about me? How did I know? Because she is here, Philip. She is here with me now. What? Your wife, Cheryl. She is here, sitting across from me. You were right. I'm afraid there is a rather disconcerting amount of blood. What are you talking about? Are you insane? The depth of the gash makes it hard for her to speak, but I believe she can manage a few words if necessary. Listen, I don't know what you're up Cheryl, to. Cheryl, my is daughter, something... is there anything you'd like to say to Philip? Philip, you killed me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You killed me, Philip. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out. No. No. Cheryl, my daughter, will you please tell Philip when he will be allowed to leave? Never. That is correct. Now, Philip, please retake your seat. There is no point in getting hysterical. Cheryl. Cheryl, honey, is that really you, Cheryl? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Too late. 
I'm afraid she's right, Philip. It is too late. But you knew that already, didn't you? God help me! I'm afraid it's too late for that as well. God helps the repentant. A repentant man would not lie in order to cover up the murder of his wife. He would not plan a secret burial in an unmarked grave. Father, Father, have pity on me. Oh, gosh, is she really there with you? There in the room? Yes, Philip, she is waiting for you. But how can that be? It's impossible. Is it? Why don't you open the curtain and see for yourself? No, no, this this is madness. That must be what's happened. I've, I've been driven mad. Not yet, my son, not yet. But you will be. And you? Who are you really? You've got to tell me, Father, who are you? No one terribly important, I'm afraid. I am simply a subordinate, a collector, though I will admit to having a more fruitful assignment than most. No. No, I don't believe you. This is this isn't happening. It's it's all some kind of sick joke. In that case, Philip, why not slide back the curtain, step through the doorway, and join us? No. I can't. But you must, Philip. Sooner or later you must. Otherwise you will never leave this confessional. I I won't. I am afraid not. Your fate has been sealed. There are no further branches in this line of possible events. Eventually, you must pull back the curtain and be reunited with please, your wife. Please, just have pity on me. Please, you just let me out. You will pull back the curtain and you will enter the room. Cheryl will take you in her arms and together the two of you will continue on to that which awaits you. I am afraid you no longer have a choice, Philip. You did, perhaps, at one time, but not anymore. Come now, Philip. Cheryl is waiting. I am waiting. There is no other way out. Pull back the curtain. Join us. Join I... You must, I... Philip. You must. I... Yes. Father, Father, if I had repented, if I had just turned myself in, would it have mattered? I mean, after what I did, could I really have redeemed myself? That, my son, is something you must now ask yourself throughout all eternity. Yes. Yes, of course. Come now, Philip. Pull back the curtain. Join us. Join your family. Join us. Join us. Join us! You are listening to a retrospective Halloween broadcast by Chatterbox Audio Theatre. This is Robert Arnold. Chatterbox returned to WKNO in 2009 with another batch of spine-tingling tales, stories of imprisonment and torture, reanimation, and technology gone horribly awry. No creature conjured that evening is more terrifying than the one depicted in the following performance— which was adapted from a classic short story by American author Ambrose Bierce. Here, an unfortunate man discovers that what we don't know can, in fact, hurt us, and that the things lurking in the darkness are sometimes a kind of darkness themselves. In this live performance from 2009, Chatterbox Audio Theater presents our version of Ambrose Bierce's story, The Damned Thing. Hugh Morgan. August 23rd. Thought Sammy had gone mad today. 
The poor mutt was wild all afternoon, running around in a half circle, keeping his head turned always toward the center. And then every now and again, he would stand still, barking furiously. At last, he ran away into the brush as fast as he could go. I was worried about him, but upon reaching the house, his manner returned to normal. I wonder, can a dog see with his nose? Do odors impress some cerebral center with images of the thing that emitted them? Hello? Mr. Harker, come in, please. We've been waiting for you. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Mr. Harker. It's necessary to have done with this business tonight. September 2nd. Looking at the stars last night as they rose above the crest of the ridge, I observed them successively disappear from left to right. Each was eclipsed but an instant, and only a few at a time, but along the entire length of the ridge, all that were within a degree or two of the crest were blotted out. I'm sorry to have kept you. I went away, not to evade your summons, but to post my newspaper account of what I'm supposed to be called here to relate. It was as if something had passed along between me and them, but I could not see it, and the stars were not thick enough to define its outline. I don't like this. The account that you posted to your newspaper will differ, I suppose, from that which you will give here under oath. (laughs) That, sir, is as you please. I used manifold paper and have a copy of what I sent. It was not written as news, for it is incredible, but as fiction. And it may well go as part of my testimony under oath. But you say it is incredible, Mr. Harker. That's nothing to you, sir, if I also swear that it is true. September 27th. It has been about here again. I find signs of its presence every day. I watched again all last night in the same cover, gun in hand, double charged with buckshot. In the morning, the fresh footprints were there, as before. Yet I would have sworn that I did not sleep. Indeed, I I hardly sleep at all. Oh, it's terrible. Insupportable. If these amazing experiences are real, I shall go mad. If they are fanciful, then I am mad already. Gentlemen, gentlemen, please... We will now resume the inquest. Mr. Harker, please raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear that the evidence you shall give to this inquest concerning the death of Hugh Morgan, here lying dead, shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you, God? I do. Thank you. Now, uh, what is your name? William Harker. Age? 27. You knew the deceased, Hugh Morgan? Yes. You were with him when he died? Near him, yes. And how did that come about, Mr. Harker? Your presence, I mean. October 5th. I can stand it no longer. I have invited Harker to pass a few weeks with me. He has a level head. I can judge from his manner if he thinks me mad. I was visiting Hugh at his place out here to shoot and fish. A part of my purpose, however, was to study him and his odd solitary way of life. He seemed a good model for a character in fiction. I sometimes write stories and... And I sometimes read them. Is that so? Well, well, thank you, sir. I mean stories in general, Mr. Harker. Not yours. (laughs) Now, now. Now, uh, please relate the circumstances of this man's death. You may use any notes or memoranda that you care to. All right. um, If you don't mind, sir, I'll read to you from what I've written. Go right ahead, Mr. Harker. Thank you. The sun had hardly risen when we left the house. 
we were looking for quail. Each of us had a shotgun, but we only had one dog. Morgan said that our best ground was beyond a certain ridge that he pointed out, and we crossed it by a trail through the chaparral. On the other side was a comparatively level ground, thickly covered with wild oats. As we emerged from the chaparral, Morgan was but a few yards in advance. Morgan! Morgan, do you hear that? It sounds like we startled a deer. I wish we'd brought a rifle with us. October 7th. I have the solution of the mystery. It came to me last night, suddenly, as if by revelation. How simple. How terribly simple. Morgan, who had stopped and was intently watching the agitated chaparral, said nothing but cocked both barrels of his gun and held it ready. I thought him a trifle excited, which surprised me, for he had a reputation for exceptional coolness, even in moments of peril. There are sounds we cannot hear. At either end of the scale are notes that stir no chord of that imperfect instrument, the human ear. They are too high or too grave. What are you doing, Morgan? You're, you're not going to fill up a deer with quail shot, are you? I have observed a flock of blackbirds occupying an entire treetop, the tops of several trees, and all in full song. Suddenly... In a moment, at absolutely the same instant, all spring into the air and fly away. Morgan did not reply, but catching sight of his face as he turned it slightly toward me, I was struck by the intensity of his look. How? They could not all see one another. Whole treetops intervened. At no point could a leader have been visible to all. It was then that I understood we had serious business at hand, and my first conjecture was that we had jumped a grizzly. I advanced to Morgan's side, uh, cocking my gun as I moved. There must have been a signal of warning or command, high and shrill above the din, but by me, unheard. The bushes were quiet, and the sounds had ceased, but Morgan was as attentive to the place as before. Morgan! As with sounds, so with colors. The human eye is an imperfect instrument. Its range is but a few octaves of the real chromatic scale. Morgan, what is it? Come on, man. What the devil is out there? The damned thing. I was about to speak further, when I observed the wild oats near the place of the disturbance moving in the most inexplicable way. I can hardly describe it. It seemed as if stirred by a streak of wind, which not only bent it, but pressed it down, crushed it so that it did not rise, and this movement was prolonging itself directly towards us. I am not mad. There are colors that we cannot see. Morgan, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? There's nothing there. And God help me. The damned thing is of such a color. <laughs> Morgan, what in God's Run, you fool. Run. Parker. Parker. to the ground by the impact of something unseen in the smoke from Morgan's gunshots, some soft, heavy substance that seemed thrown against me with great force. Terrified, I struggled to my feet and looked in the direction of Morgan's retreat. And may heaven and mercy spare me from another sight like that. At a distance of less than thirty yards was my friend, down upon one knee, his head thrown back at a frightful angle, his whole body in violent movement from side to side, backward and forward. His right arm was lifted and seemed to lack a hand. At least I could see none. The other arm was invisible altogether. At times I could discern but a part of his body. 
It was as if he had been partially blotted out. Uh, I cannot otherwise express it. And then shifting of his position would bring it all into view again. All of this must have occurred within a few seconds. For a moment, I stood irresolute. Then, throwing down my gun, I ran towards my friend's assistance. I had a vague belief that he was suffering from a fit or some kind of convulsion. But before I could reach his side, he was down and quiet. All sounds had ceased. But with a feeling of such terror as even these awful events had not inspired, I now saw again the mysterious movement of the wild oats prolonging itself from the trampled area about the prostrate man toward the edge of a wood. It was only when it had reached the wood that I was able to withdraw my eyes and look at my companion. He was dead. And that is your sworn statement, Mr. Harker? It is, sir. Thank you. Gentlemen, it is time to examine the body. You can see the broad maculations of bluish-black, obviously caused by extravasated blood from contusions. The chest and sides are collapsed, as if beaten with a bludgeon. Note the lacerations, the skin torn into strips and shreds. Now, gentlemen, allow me to remove this handkerchief from Mr. Morgan's throat. Gentlemen, we have no more evidence, I think. Your duty has been already explained to you. If there is nothing you wish to ask, you may go outside and consider your verdict. I should like to ask one question, Mr. Corner. What asylum did this year witness escape from? Mr. Harkin, from what asylum did you last escape? Well, if you have done insulting me, sir, I suppose I am at liberty to go. Of course, Mr. Harker. Thank you. Sir. Yes? The book you have there, I I recognize it as Morgan's Diary. You seem greatly interested in it. In fact, I saw you reading from it even while I was testifying. Well? May I see it? The public would like to know what it... The book will cut no figure in this matter, Mr. Harker. All the entries in it were made before the writer's death. I see. Good day, then. Oh, gentlemen. Gentlemen, have you reached your verdict already? We have, sir. Then read it to me, please. We, the jury, do find that these remains came to their death at the hands of a mountain lion. But some of us thinks all the same, that the man had fits. You are listening to a retrospective Halloween broadcast by Chatterbox Audio Theater. This is Robert Arnold. In 2010, Chatterbox's third Halloween performance found us conjuring malevolent ghosts, exsanguinations, and nightmare trees. The eeriest of the evening's tales, however, begins quite simply as an unsuspecting family embarks on a much-needed vacation. Little do they know that the road ahead will lead them down a dark, strange path, a route no sane human ever intends to go. Chatterbox Audio Theater presents this live performance from 2010, which we call Burning Cold.
Look out, East Tennessee. Temps this Labor Day weekend will be in the high 90s this week with even warmer uh, Come on, Adam. Take the bottle, sweetie. Uh, Daniel, maybe some music? See what I can find. Last blast of summer with sunny Sorry, skies. Sorry, Hannah. That's as good as it gets. They'll have some music on after the news. What are you fussing about, Mr. Adam Buchanan? Mommy's little pumpkin. Uh, he's awful sweaty. AC's cranked up all she'll go, Kaylee. Can't believe how backed up the road is. Uh, there's probably some farmer on a tractor up ahead slowing things down. We'll be fine once we get to the interstate. Look, uh, mile marker 14. Not much further. Oh, don't cry, little man. It'll be cooler at the cabin. There's a big lake with lots of ducks. We'll count stars, make s'mores. Oh, I forgot the marshmallows. I didn't. They're in the kitchen box in the back seat. Marshmallows, graham crackers, chocolate bars, matches. Uh, oh, crap. Kaylee, I forgot those uh, fork things. Uh, toasting forks? Toasting forks. <laughs> oh, well. It won't be the first time we've had to use sticks. Oh, poor sweaty boy. Shh. Look out, East Tennessee. Temps this Labor Day weekend will be in the high 90s. Wow, wee. Tucker, sounds like it's going to be a scorcher. <clears throat> yep. Grab me a Coke from the cooler, would you, mate? Sure thing. Last blast of summer with sunny skies. Yes, and sir, a scorcher. <laughs> be a good boy, sweetie. Try not to make Daddy crazy enough to drive off the road. <laughs> Very funny. Okay, little man, stop making Mommy crack bad jokes. Whoa. What? Rain. Can you believe this? Weatherman's got his head up his... High in the 90s. Whiteout conditions. Sunny holiday weekend. Wait, what did he say? Pay attention to the road, honey. Snowstorm expected to dump... Clear skies Wait, tonight. Snowstorm? Must be different stations, Daniel. Just signals bouncing around. But it's the same voice. It's the same guy. Oh, you know all news people sound alike. Man. Christmas comes earlier every year. What, what the? What is that? It's hail, Kaylee. It's a friggin' hailstorm. Daniel, the windows are icing up. Stop the car, honey. You have to stop. I am. I am, but we're skidding. Last blast of summer with sunny skies. Yes, sir, a scorcher. Now, why in the world did that car up there swerve like that? Hmm. Must have had a blowout. Lucky they weren't going any faster than they were. It's hail, Kaylee. It's a freaking hailstorm. Daniel... The windows are icing up. Stop the car, honey. You have to stop! I am! I am, but we're skidding. Uh, uh, Kaylee, hang on! We're going off the road! Kaylee. Kaylee, wake up. Kaylee, wake up. What? Daniel. Uh, Adam. Where's Adam? He's right here. Look. He's fine. Upset with his daddy's driving, but fine. Oh, my baby. Oh, hush, baby. Mommy's right here. Daniel, your forehead's bleeding. Is it? Oh. I must have hit it when we went off the road. The windows. They're covered in ice, Daniel. I know. 
Don't worry, Kaylee. It'll melt off quick. High 90s all weekend. That's what the weatherman said. But it's not hot anymore, Daniel. It's cold. Worst storm in 30 years. Emergency vehicles out in force. How can it be so cold all of a sudden? I don't know, Kaylee. I don't know. Lucky they weren't going any faster than they were. Not much of a shoulder there. Well, I don't see anyone getting out. Wonder what's going on in there. Their windows sure look funny, like they're all steamed up. Haley, are you listening to me? Try the window. Where are we? Come on. Come on. Ugh, something's busted for sure. We... We went off the road? Yeah. Oh, where's your cell phone, Kaylee? I gotta get out and see what we hit. Why is it so cold? I don't know, honey. Call your sister. Tell her to send Mark with the tow truck. door stuck. Tell her we're just past mile marker 14. I can't get a signal. Oh, close the door. Close it. <laughs> Daniel, there was snow blowing in. Hush, Adam. Shh. Daniel, how can it be snowing? Kaylee, there's a wall of ice and snow out there. We're buried in it. What? What do you mean? What's, what's happening? I don't know. Maybe we... Well, maybe... Daniel, there's water coming into the car. It's all over the floor. Oh, God. It's as cold as ice. Where's it coming from? Missing since the brutal storm that struck six days ago. Where's the water coming from, Daniel? I don't know. Their windows sure look funny, like they're all steamed up. You don't suppose... <laughs> now, May, you get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, that's hardly the right place for a little afternoon delight, anyway. <laughs> you are something else, gal. Don't you forget it! <laughs> Daniel, honey, wake up. You gotta stay awake. It's cold. Why is it cold, Kaylee? It's the snow. We went off the road. When when did it snow? I don't know. Hopes are fading in the search for the Rawlings family. I gotta get out. You can't. I gotta get us out of here. Daniel, you can't. You already tried. I can't get the door open, Kaylee. It's frozen shut. I know, honey. I know. Oh, I'm sorry, Adam. I'm sorry, Mommy's hands are so cold. <laughs> you are something else, gal. Don't you forget it. <laughs> but look, they're going to slide right down the hill park like that. Maybe you should pull over, Tucker, see if they need help. <clears throat> yep. I'll just be a minute. Try the horn again, Daniel. 
29 deaths now attributed to the blizzard that struck 10 days ago. Kristen, how long has it been? I don't know. It was dark earlier. And before that, it was bright. <laughs> dark, bright, dark, bright. The ice is pretty when it's bright. <laughs> A sad discovery today on the banks of Bent Muddy Creek. Aaron's cold, David. He's cold. Maybe you should pull over, Tucker. See if they need help. <clears throat> yep. I'll just be a minute. Good Lord. May, May, call 911. What? Why? With that car, it's on fire. Oh, my God. Oh, hey, 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 that crowbar. Give me your crowbar. Do you hear that? They're burning alive in there. Investigators remain tight-lipped as to possible causes of the fire that took the lives of Daniel, Kaylee, and Adam Buchanan. The young family is traveling. It's getting pretty dark, Tucker. You want to stop soon? I think I'd rather keep driving a while, if you don't mind. Some of you may remember another tragedy that occurred recently at the same location. During last year's Christmas blizzard, the Rawlings family car went off the road at mile marker 14, crashing into the Bent Muddy Ravine. By the time searchers found the vehicle, David Rawlings, his wife Kristen, and their infant son Aaron had all perished from hypothermia. And that's Would the you news. turn that off, the please, May? Stay tuned sure, hon. Are you ready to tell me? You don't want to know. Tell me anyway. The wife. She was still alive when I got to her. She kept saying how cold she was. That they were all cold and a little fire would be nice. It would warm the baby right up. And then she said they were going to toast marshmallows. May, she asked me, could I give her a match? Could I give her a match because hers were all used up? listening to a retrospective Halloween broadcast by Chatterbox Audio Theater. This is Robert Arnold. Chatterbox's fourth Halloween broadcast, presented in 2011, featured werewolves, gin, and other imaginary beings intruding violently on our reality. During the course of the evening, the broadcast led us to a small overgrown graveyard in a remote area. There, one man discovers the secret behind a recent rash of disappearances, but the discovery comes at a dreadful, gut-wrenching price, and the situation is not one he can wriggle his way out of. 
Brace yourselves, then, as Chatterbox Audio Theatre presents this live broadcast from 2011 entitled Food for Worms. Okay, first impressions. Uh, Hillcrest looks like any other abandoned cemetery you might see along the side of the road. Uh, It's an earthy, windswept place with low trees and thick vines growing along a broken fence. The grounds are rambling and uneven and are covered in a blanket of dead leaves. From beneath this blanket, the gravestones jut out like fingers. No, like teeth. The gravestones jut out like rotting teeth. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. It's the perfect scene for a mystery, which is fitting as it's been the site of three unexplained disappearances in the past few months. First, Jenna Halperin and James Wong, two sophomores at BHS. Then, local firefighter Yolanda Simmons. All three came to Hillcrest on a whim. All three vanished without a trace. No, 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 that's cliche. How about, all three vanished into its shadows? (laughs) Good. Out here, in the dark, every sound is an omen of danger. Or disaster. Eric will like that. Omen of disaster. Luckily, this reporter brought along a good flashlight and a pocket knife for protection. It's not that he's scared. He just doesn't want to end up like the other... (laughs) Hello? Hello? Oh! Oh, my leg. Oh, and my head. What happened? Did I I fall down here? Help! Can anyone hear me? Please help me. I'm I'm stuck down in this, this pit. Oh, man. Oh, man. Where's my recorder? In a strange turn of events, this reporter finds himself at the bottom of a deep, rectangular pit. It's almost... Oh, jeez. It's almost like an empty grave, but deeper. One can only wonder... Ahoy there, matey! Hello? Hello! Listen, please, you have to help me! My name is Paul Harris. I'm a newspaper reporter. I I fell into this hole and I can't get out. I think I twisted my ankle and it it feels like I may have hit my head. Uh, If you could call an ambulance... Ahoy! 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 Give us some time to blow the man down. (laughs) Down, down, down. All the way down, dearie. All the way down. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Please, I need your help. Shh, shh, listen. Is he coming? Ma'am, please. I don't know what you mean. If you could just call someone. Not yet? Well, then we wait. We wait. He will be here. Our pet will be here. Is the little dearie hungry? Am I hungry? Listen, lady, I just want to get out of here, please. Dearie will get hungry eventually. Eventually he'll want a snack for himself. Bombs away! (laughs) What? What's in the bag, lady? Eat up now, dearie, eat up. Our pet likes them strong, you know. He doesn't like them when they're all skinny and broken. What? What in the world? 
This is raw meat. Eat up, dearie. Eat up. We'll be back when he comes. Give us some time to blow the man down. <laughs> my, my God. And so, like Alice down the rabbit hole, it seems that this reporter has tumbled into a kind of nightmare. With my leg injured, there's no chance of climbing out alone. I'll just have to wait and hope that that strange old woman is going for help. Surely that's what she's doing. Surely I'll be out of here by morning. We haven't eaten! What? Uh, oh, no. Aren't we hungry, dearie? Don't we want our yum-yum? Listen, please, you have to get me out of here. You have to call someone. I'm hurt. I need medical attention. We have to eat our yum-yum. We have to eat it. Our pet will be angry if we don't. You listen to me, you crazy old hag. Someone is bound to come looking for me soon. And when I tell them that you didn't even try to help me... What's that? What is the dearie shouting about? Being found, is it? Oh, no, no, no. No one will find us, little dearie. No one in the world. Except, except our pet. You're in some serious trouble, lady. My dad's a lawyer, and I promise as soon as I get out of here... Listen, listen. Do we hear him? Do we feel him? Yes, yes, we do. He comes. The old woman is clearly mad, but surely she wouldn't leave me down here to die. I can only hope that whatever she's waiting for will be some kind of help to me, but I can't shake the idea that... Hold on. Hold on, she's right. Suddenly I do hear something and feel something. A, a vibration coming from from below, from underneath even me at the bottom of this deep hole. It's, it's almost as if... There! The ground is, is churning, moving, like something is... Burrowing up! Hello, Pat! Oh, joyous day! Hello, hello! Dirt pushes away in big clumps and it's like... Oh. Oh, no. Oh, my God! Yes! <laughs> what? What? What is that thing? Someone help me! Please! What is that thing? again. The old crone is gone, at least for now. She threw some rotten vegetables down to me. I ate as much as I could without getting sick. I'm still hungry and lightheaded. My ankle throbs with pain. I... I wonder if I can describe what happened. What it was that tunneled up from beneath the ground. A worm? Kind of. Like a fat, pale grub worm, but huge. Almost, almost half as big as me. It, it fed on me. It, it cornered me and, and wriggled around my leg. And then I felt something slice into me and suddenly it was draining my blood. The old woman cheered it on the whole time. I tried to fight it, but it was like I was drugged or something. Eventually I passed out. 
I can't help but think that no one will ever find me here. That no one will ever know what happened. If only I could read... Top of the morning, dearie! <laughs> oh, no, not you again. Uh... We've brought breakfast. Look out below! <laughs> oh. Listen, lady, you're involved in some really sick stuff here. You better hope I never get out of this pit, because if I do, then once I get my hands on you... Oh, you get a line. Uh... Then once I get my hands on you, I'm going to toss you down here myself. And, and we'll see how much you like your little pet then. Hey, are you listening to me? Hey, Looney Tunes, I'm talking to you. Little dearie, listen to us. We have the best of news. Our pet is back, and he's hungry again. Oh, no, 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 not already. Not so soon. Yes! Yes, he's hungry again, dearie. And you were so delicious. No! <laughs> no! Keep away from me! Keep away! I don't know whether anyone will ever find this tape or whether it will make any sense if they do. But right now it's the only hope I have left. I've been down in this hole for a week. At least I think I have. Sometimes it's hard to remember. For two nights in a row it rained on me. I thought maybe I would get lucky and drown in my sleep. The old crone feeds me just enough to keep me alive. The creature comes back twice a day to drain me of blood. It's strange, though. The longer this goes on, the more that thing comes up from the ground to feed on me, the more I get used to it. In a bizarre sort of way, the regularity of its visits are almost comforting. has lasted much longer than the other dearies. Hurrah for that! But where is our pet? It's not like him to be away so long. We know we shouldn't worry, but we do. We do. Come now, it's dinner time. Dinner time for our pet. Oh, we miss him. We miss him terribly. Where could he have gone? Dearie has done something, hasn't it? We know it has. Promise us you haven't hurt our pet. Promise. One last entry. It's time. After 20 days of imprisonment, it's finally time for us to be freed. We are tired of waiting, little dearie. We are tired of this game. We don't have much patience left. If the dearie doesn't tell us where our pet is... He's here. What? What does the dearie say? He's here? Our pet is here? That's right, you crazy old bag. He's down here with me. As a matter of fact, he's been down here the whole time. <sighs> the dearie is lying to us. We can't see our pet. We can't feel him. And that's because he's been busy. Look, 
It's that. It's that. Yes, that's right. It's his cocoon. See how he built it alongside me, attached to my leg? I didn't want him to at first, but eventually I understood. See, this was the only way for him to stay nourished while he grew. Our pet is growing? Oh, yes, he's growing, changing. And now, finally, I think he's ready. Oh, our pet is so much bigger, so much more beautiful. Yes, he is. And do you know what else? Now he's got wings. hole and then <laughs> then we'll go looking for some dessert <laughs> you are listening to a live halloween broadcast by chatterbox audio theater this is robert arnold Our five-year retrospective of Chatterbox's Halloween performances now arrives at the present day. We close out this evening of terrifying tales with a brand new story performed live in the studio. In it, two old friends on a camping trip find their relaxing weekend disrupted by several unexpected visitors. In the process, they will discover the difference between human actions and inhuman ones. Chatterbox Audio Theater presents tonight's fifth and final tale, which is called A Voice from the Woods. All right, and how old's the lady? I don't know, like in her 80s, let's say. Okay, okay. And and what happens if I push her out of the way? Then the car hits you instead, and you die. (laughs) And what if I take like a flying leap and push Uh. us both out of the way? (laughs) No, man, come on. No flying leaps. You're just avoiding the question. All right, all right. So basically what you're asking is, would I rather be a dead hero or a live coward? (sighs) No, no. I'm asking if you'd sacrifice yourself for someone else, even if you didn't know who they were. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'd do it. Are you serious? Sure, why not? Even if it was a total stranger. So what? She's family to someone. Ah, what if she's not? What if she's, like, completely alone in the world? I'm getting an awful lot of information about this lady in the split second before a car hits her. (laughs) Shut up. Just answer the question. I did answer. Yes, I'd sacrifice myself. For a complete stranger. Yes. Who's in her 80s? Yes. Ah, what if you knew she was going to die anyway? Like in a week. How, how would I know that? Quit being so literal. Okay, fine, fine. Even then. Yep. <laughs> Can't believe it. What, you're saying you wouldn't? No way. Are you kidding? It is completely impractical. Well, I don't care whether or not it's practical. It's just I, I don't think I could live with myself, oh, you know? Hey, man, whatever you say, <laughs> it's your life. Uh, Need another beer? Nah, I'm good. All right, so what time do you want to get wait, out? Wait, wait. Shh. Do you hear that? I hear crickets. For a second, I thought... No, never mind. What were you asking? Oh, uh, what time do you want to get back on the road tomorrow? Ugh, I don't know, man. Can't we just camp until, like, winter? 
Do we really have to go back? <laughs> hey, I'm not forcing you. Your boss may have a problem with it, though. You know, you really wait, should... Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. What is it? That time I know I heard something. Listen. Yeah, something's moving out there. It's just a deer or a squirrel or something. Relax. It's called nature. I am <laughs> relaxed. Thank you. I don't think that's all it is. It sounds bigger. Bigger than a deer? I don't know. It sounds like it. Yeah. I hear it, too. Huh. What is it? Can you tell? I can tell exactly. It's a serial killer emerging from the woods to hack you to pieces. <laughs> You're an idiot. No, it's the boogeyman. No, it's Michael Myers. It's the Blair Witch. No, it's... Help oh, me! my God! What in the... Please! <laughs> You have to help me. Hey, hey, hey. Are, are you all right? Uh, Look at him. Look, he's covered in blood. Uh, what happened? Did something attack you? Oh, oh. Get your phone. We need to call someone. Don't listen to her. Don't listen. Hey, it's all right. Just, just calm down, man. Calm down. We got you. Don't listen to her. Please don't listen to her. Please. What is he talking about? I have no idea. Uh, just, just lie back. Uh, try to relax, okay? We're going to figure out how to get you some help. Don't listen to her. Don't. Please don't listen to her. Please. Uh. Derek, is he... Is he... I, uh... I don't know. It... It looks like it. Oh, oh my God. He's, uh... He's torn to shreds. Oh. oh, like something tried to rip him apart. Oh, don't... Don't touch him. I'm not! It's... What should we do? Help, help me. What, what was that? Did you hear it? There's someone else out there. Help me, please. Come on. Where are you going? To find out whoever that is. Didn't you hear her? Derek, wait. Uh, come on, Rich. No, wait. Didn't you catch what this guy was saying? What? Don't listen to her. That's what he said. Please don't listen to her. So? So? What if he means her? Someone, please. Please help. You just can't be serious. That's what he said. Rich, he... He was crazy. He was bleeding to death. Don't listen to her, he said. And then we hear that? Someone, please help. Don't go out there, Derek. Oh, please help me. You're insane. We have to do something. Whatever got him must have gotten her, too. How do you know? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, how do you know? What if... What if she's what got him? This is ridiculous. Don't listen to her, he said. Who else would he be talking about? Look, Rich, even... Even if that's true, even if that's what this guy was saying, it's not like I'm afraid of some woman alone out in the woods. I, I don't think it is a woman, Derek. Help me, help me. This, this is crazy. I know, I know. Come on, I'll get my phone, we'll call for help. But we can help her! No, don't, Derek, let someone else do it. Let someone else deal with whatever's out there. Uh, please, please help. I'm going. Derek, look, wh what were you just saying? About risking your life for a stranger. Completely impractical, you said. I'm not risking anything. Just stay here. If I yell for you, come running, okay? Okay. You promise? Derek, I wish you wouldn't. It'll, it'll be fine. Just listen for me. I'll call if I need you. Oh, please help me. Someone, please Hello? Help. Uh, hello? Are, are you... Rich! Rich! Get out here, Rich! Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God, Rich! Help me! Help me, Rich! No. Oh, 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 no. Oh,
shouldn't have listened to her. You shouldn't have listened to her. You shouldn't have listened. This concludes Chatterbox Audio Theater's fifth annual Halloween broadcast. We hope you have enjoyed our look back at some of the most unnerving moments from our previous performances. If you would like to hear more of these performances, or any other shows in the Chatterbox catalog, simply visit www.chatterboxtheater.org. The Confessional was written by Robert Arnold and featured the voices of Kevin Murphy, Tony Isbell, and Shannon King. Sound effects were performed by Matt Reed and Michael Toll. The Damned Thing was adapted from Ambrose Bierce's short story by Robert Arnold. It featured the voices of Justin Willingham, Robert Arnold, Marcus Brown, and Michael Toll. Sound effects were performed by Michael Toll and Tim Greer. Burning Cold was written by Deborah Hyatt. It featured the voices of Grant Hatton, Mandy Lane, Kenan Keplinger, Kim Justice, and Robert Arnold, with singing by Katie Walsh, Tony Walsh, and Catherine Whitfield. Sound effects were performed by Amy Mays, Ben Fickthorne, and the cast. The show was assistant-directed by Amy Mays. Food for Worms was written by Robert Arnold and featured the voices of Robert Arnold and Emily Peckham. Sound effects were provided by Doug Harden, David Barton, Megan Lisi, and Jerry Dye. Finally, A Voice from the Woods was written by Robert Arnold and featured the voices of Chris Chowers, Robert Arnold, David Barton, and Karen Strawn, with sound effects by the cast. The Confessional featured music by Matthew Cruz. All other shows featured music by Sherry Hughes. All of the performances in tonight's broadcast were produced by Eric Sefton and directed by Robert Arnold. Chatterbox Audio Theater is a nonprofit web-based community theater that advances the exchange of ideas by channeling creativity and artistic collaboration into recorded audio works that enlighten, entertain, and inspire. Download our shows, meet our cast and crew, and make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheater.org. Hi there. Are you a fan of all things horror? Yeah? You are? Well, in that case, find Tuesday Terrors, which is the mutual audio feed that comes out on a Tuesday, believe it or not. Shock horror, I know. But if you subscribe there, you'll find amazing horror fiction audio in your player every Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.